0: This is Edward Mazur, Chairman of the City Club of Chicago. Our program today features Jamal Cole, the CEO and founder of My Block, My Hood, My City. Our moderator will be City Club Governor Anne St. Germain. Over a thousand people have signed up for our new virtual platform because of the COVID-19 situation. My Hood, My Block, My City. In 48 hours, Jamal Cole has and his organization have raised over $1 million and will be giving out grants to 4,000 businesses that have applied. My Block, My Hood, My City has grown from five employees to 12. What was originally a $700,000 budget, now to $5 million. They work with 100 different block clubs in Chicago and 150 schools. They're dedicated to social justice and their pillars are service and education. Jamal Cole has been described as one of the 20 most inspiring Chicagoans under the age of 40. His message will be directed at, what is something I can do to make a change on my block? Good
1: morning. I'm Anne Marie St. Germain, a board member at City Club of Chicago and chair of the program committee. Today, we welcome more than 1,000 participants through our new customized virtual platform. Today's program will go about an hour, just for planning purposes. Our guest today is Jamal Cole, CEO and founder of My Block, My Hood, My City. Jamal, a champion of social justice, has a mission to build a more interconnected Chicago on the two pillars of service and education. As the founder and CEO of My Block, My Hood, My City, which is the city's fastest growing social impact organization, Jamal is the creator of an exposure and experience-based education program for teens and a network of volunteer initiatives that serve Chicago communities year round. Traveling, youth mentorship, and community organizing are the subjects of Jamal's highly acclaimed books and speeches. He has spoken to audiences ranging from high school students to the mayor of Chicago. In 2019, Jamal was named to Crane's 40 Under 40. He's also the recipient of the 2019 Champion of Freedom Award, the 2018 Chicago Defender Men of Excellence Award, and the 2018 Chicago City Council Resolution Award. In 2018, he was also named one of the 20 most inspiring Chicago's Chicagoans, excuse me, by Streetwise Magazine and a Chicagoan of the Year by Chicago Magazine. Please welcome Jamal Cole. Over to you, Jamal.
2: Thank you, Ann. Um, so A couple of months back, I was out on my morning jog. You know, I usually jog three miles down 79th Street. And because I live right there on Wabash, my first turn on 79th is right in front of the Taylor Funeral Home. And while I'm jogging, you know, um, across the street, I say what's up to everybody in the methadone clinic line. Um, You know, as I'm jogging, I always say peace to the police officers and peace to the paramedics when they pass by. Um, About a mile into my run, you know, I hit a, a right turn on 79th and Cottage right in front of Happy's Liquor Store. Um, I say what's up to everybody in a currency exchange line. Um, I always say peace to everybody in a welfare line, too. Um, I keep on going, keep on jogging. About another mile in, I hit a right turn on Cottage and 87th. I say what's up to everybody standing in a Garris popcorn line. Um, I always say peace to all the people when they pass by, too. You know, um, everybody says my block, my hood, my city. Um, The city shows me love and I return it like Devin Hester. You already know that. Thank you all for the love. Um, on my last mile, you know, on 87th and state, you know, I hit that right turn. I go down to 79th. I say what's up to everybody in line at the bus station or uh, the train station. You know, uh, the red line take forever sometimes. That's frustrating to me. Um, but that's my three miles. You know, I take a picture of my watch with a community in the background and I post on my Instagram the time so I can hold myself accountable and I always hashtag block fit. And I want people to be healthy by running through their blocks and also uh, um, just Fall in love with your neighborhood. That's a tip for the organizers. You want to be an organizer, man? Fall in love with your neighborhood. You can do that by running through it or walking through it. Um, on this day that I want to tell y'all about, though, I didn't run three miles, right? I set out to run 2.23 miles in honor of Amar Aubrey. And my hashtag wasn't BlockFit, my hashtag was Run with the Mod. Um, I was doing this run in support of a young black man that had been murdered at the hands of two white men. Later on, we found out one was an off duty cop. Um, now, look, I just told you I run three miles down 79th Street every other day. No problem whatsoever. Nothing. Right. But on this particular day, I got tired after one mile and had to stop on cottage right in front of Happy's looking store. Right. Um, I wanted to use his death as motivation to remain healthy and be a part of people around the country that was running in solidarity. I just couldn't do it. Um, this run that I usually do with relative ease was damn near impossible because uh, it had so much weight attached to it. I felt like I had ankle weights on. Um, I'm tired, tired, man. I I wore a hoodie for Trayvon. I took a knee for Philando. I held my breath for Eric. I walked for Laquan. I cried for Betty Jones. I'm tired of these slogans, man. I'm tired of running around in circles physically and metaphorically, right? Enough is enough. Man, look, it's dangerous to be a black man in this country. And the darker you are, the realer your problems. And y'all take that for what y'all want. It's not just me saying this, the students in my program are starting to notice. I run an after-school explorers program for teenagers from Chicago's most divested community areas. I man, it's 15 currency exchanges in the neighborhood, no banks. You ask a kid, hey, what's the job at a bank? They don't know. They've never been to one, right? They uh, got to order their breakfast every morning through bulletproof glass windows, right? There's more technology on the light poles in the classrooms, right? They, they got to take their belt off and their shoes off just to get to the school. You've been tested more on the walk to school than you've been tested in the school, man. We work with students from those neighborhoods and we expose them to different cultures, different professions, different cuisines. Like Kids ain't never been downtown. Never they see Lake Michigan, they say, What ocean is that? They ain't never wait for a taxi, never been on an elevator, right? We work with those students and we expose them to different jobs, different cultures, different cuisines. If you're a business in Chicago that likes to host our youth, host us. Go to our website, for myblog.org, and sign up to host our kids. We we pick them up from school in a 15-passenger van. We take them to your business so we can do a a case study with you or shadow you, and then we eat some food and we drop them off on a block. Um, A couple weeks back, I was dropping a student off on the west side, and a a cop came across Harrison Street. Now, the cop car wasn't chasing us, right? It wasn't chasing us. Um, It just happened to zoom by. But when the students saw the cop car, they jumped up, right? Now, we wasn't being pulled over. You understand? We wasn't being pulled over. The cop was probably doing his or her job. It was probably responding to an emergency or something like that. But the student's knee jerk reaction, was to jump up in fear. That's what I knew, right? It was disheartening, but that's what I knew. So I said, hey, um, um, why are you so frightened? And they said, I'm afraid of the police. The police will kill you. There's no doubt in my mind. Hey, who am I to tell her different? One thing I do know, though, is that the white students in my program, they don't have the same reaction when we drop them off at their homes on the north side of Chicago. They definitely don't jump up in fear when they see a squad car. They're more at ease. They're more relaxed. And um, and you can see it all in their posture. You know what I mean? That makes me believe we've done something fundamentally wrong in this country. We've empowered the white students to feel safe. They feel protected and equipped to bear arms when they feel threatened. Right. That's done under the guise of them being a good citizen. They taught this at a very young age. They taught stand up for yourself, fight for your rights, do what's right. You got the freedom of speech. Black kids ain't taught to stand up. Black kids are taught to stand down. Stand down when you see a police officer. Don't run. Make sure you narrate everything when they ask you for a piece of information. I'm reaching this way when I go to retrieve my wallet. I'm taking my hands off the steering wheel. I'm pressing this button to let the window down. Stand down. When you see a white lady grab her purse when she walks by or when you walk into a store, stand down, man. Don't look so angry. Don't look so aggressive. This is not a fear. Fear, that's a fear based world we live living in. This is what's been created, right? Everybody scared everybody. Black people fear the police because they shoot you down in broad day. White people scared of black people. That gives them the right to bear arms, make citizens arrest, and think they're the neighborhood watch. Wait, like, where did it begin, right? Where did this begin? Look, there's a strange irony about the history of the police department. And to understand this type of thinking, you gotta understand my great uncle was one of the first black cops in Houston, Texas, in the late 1940s. He joined the police force at a time where racial discrimination was systemic. And I mean outright discriminatory, too. I ain't talking about today's discrimination that's cloaked up in fancy words and rhetoric. I'm talking about overt discrimination. My dad said they don't even say the word nigga with the same ferociousness as they used to say it before. They said vicious, right? With vitriol, they don't say it the same no more. My great uncle had to work foot patrol in a predominantly African-American neighborhood because black cops weren't allowed to drive squad cars. They had to take the bus to work. He had to seek his supervisor's permission if he wanted to arrest a white person. And if he arrested a black person, he had to put him on a bus and take him back to the station. Come on, man. Look, look, we know there's hundreds of thousands of brave officers that make that ultimate sacrifice to protect us with integrity every day. We love y'all. We sincerely appreciate y'all. This ain't about y'all, though. This ain't about y'all. This is about a larger problem. It's time that we actually acknowledge that there's racism in the police department and that needs to be addressed. It, it's been shootings. We can't even count on these shootings. There's a lot that don't even get on the news and make the headlines. Like It's exhausting going through the same thing year after year after year. There's a murder. There's a protest which incites an arrest. They send it to trial. It goes to a jury that appears. The jury lets them go. We outrage. Then we resume our lives as normal until the next time. But look, look a wise man once said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. We gotta do something different we're gonna stop these killings. Look, how about we start marching proactively instead of waiting until there's a social media campaign about a a death, right? How about we support nonprofits that support youth while they're alive? Y'all always talking about give them their roses. Well, give us our roses then, man. How about we work with the police chiefs so they can put officers in neighborhoods that they support its members and they build bridges of connections, right? How about we support businesses that support you? If a black person is being treated poorly, they shouldn't get a dime of your money, right? And y'all got to start voting, man. We got to vote. Vote in the primary elections. Vote in the presidential elections. We got to make sure our voice is being heard, right? Contact your local officials and holler at them about something that matters to you, right? They got social media pages. They got got offices all around the city. We got to start talking to them more. And finally, I want to challenge y'all. I'm asking a lot of people in Chicago right now. I say, hey, why's the city? What's going on in the city? Why's your neighborhood look like that? You know what they say? They say, "Oh, The city messed up. The cops is messed up. Mayor's messed up. The schools messed up. The economy is messed up. That philosophy is messed up, man. That philosophy is messed up. Hey, I want to give you my community organizer philosophy. It took me 10 years to develop. I'm going to give I'm going to give it to everybody in 15 words. Look, if you understand these 15 words, I'm about to tell you, man, you can be a leader in your city right now. You understand these 15 words going to save you thousands of hours of going to block club meetings, thousands of hours of going to city. If you understand these 15 words, you could be a politician next week. I put that on everything I love. Y'all ready for these 15 words? do going to save you thousands and thousands of hours of community organizing. These 15 words, ask yourself this. What's something simple I can do that'll have a positive impact on my block? What's something simple I can do That'll have a positive impact on my block, Man, you don't have to have no master's degree to make a difference. You don't have to have no law degree to listen. All you need is a heart full of love and a soul full of passion. And you can make a difference. What's something simple you can do? And if you start simple, you can develop the muscle it takes to take on bigger challenges. Thank you. all Peace.
1: Thank you, Jamal. Thank you. Thank you very much. We've got a lot of questions uh, that were submitted online, as well as some that are coming in now uh, during the program. Let me start with just uh, a little bit of a setup here. Last month, um, you started the Small Business Relief Fund to meet the needs of community businesses that suffered damage after the recent unrest. You raised a million dollars in 48 hours with an average... Contribution of sixty-eight dollars. That's phenomenal. You're up to what well, I think one point three million now, and those funds are about to be released. So question comes from Jennifer Husbands at the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Jamal, how are you building your organization's capacity given the influx of funds and demand for the services of my block, my hood, my city?
2: Well, thank you for the question. Um, look, we, our model here is taking care of people no matter what, right? And so if there's a, a snowstorm, you'll see us out shoveling snow for seniors. If there's a heat wave, we deliver waters and deliver fans directly to the senior's doorstep. During COVID-19, thousands of seniors reached out to us and they needed help with PPE. Um, we connected them to primary healthcare physician and shipped food to them, right, as well. Um, and as if it wasn't enough going on this year, a lot of businesses got looted in our, I mean, I live in Chatham. Essentially, because of the looting, we were turned into a food desert. So seniors that were already struggling have, now have to go 20 something minutes away to a pharmacy or they got to go 10 minutes away just to get some eggs or some groceries. You know what I mean? Uh, that's tragic. And so we started a small business relief fund to help these business owners out with uh, the looting, uh, the glass repair, graffiti removal, painting, construction. And yet we raised over a million dollars to, to um, deliver that and disperse that to these small business owners. Um, how am I building the capacity? Look, I got a, a great team. You know, I lean on my board of directors a lot. Like, you know, a social impact organization, like, you know, my heart is on the block. I'm a volunteer at heart. But, you know, you better believe that on my board, we got lawyers, we got business people, we have accountants, we have people that work in uh, grants and nonprofits, and my team is so sharp. Look, what I would tell you is if you do what you love to do, you organically build relationships that help you become successful. So anybody who wants to start a social impact or if you love it, you're going people are going to feel it and then they're going to join. So do what you love and you organically help build relationships. And I'm happy to work with a uh, shout out to Bill Gates, man. <laughs> Bill Gates, holler at me. I want to work with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank you for that. Um, let's keep in mind during the Q&A that the four core values of my block, my hood, my city are interconnectivity, empathy, hope, and civic responsibility. Interconnectivity, empathy, hope civic responsibility. These are words we could all and should all live by. Next question is from Kimberly McCullough-Starks with the Illinois Department of Health and Family Services. What would you suggest that we do to help young Black men and women during and after the coronavirus pandemic?
2: Well, you can go to our website at formyblog.org and get involved. Um, You know, if you... I Always have to ask yourself, what's something simple you can do that'll have a positive impact. If you work in IT right now, can you build a website for a nonprofit organization? If you work at a, at a bank, I just told you, there's fifteen currency exchanges in my neighborhood. No banks. You ask a kid, what's a job at a bank? They don't know. How about um um? You know, oh, the number one thing you can do is show up because every anybody can cut a check, but if you show up, a lot of people are like, what are you guys doing about this? Well, you have to be able to show up and say, hey, you know what? My name is Jamal Cole. Oh, um, you know, what? Oh, you're homeless on on a basketball court? Dang. Well. Oh, you just got out of jail. What'd you go to jail for? You stole a car. You actually stole a car. Um, well, how'd you do it? Oh, I put the blue and red wires together. You know how to hotwire a car? Yeah. Well, well, how'd you, how'd you, why'd you do it? Oh, I want to drive fast. You see what I'm saying? This is why a teenager risked his whole life because he wants to drive fast. If you want to make a difference, you got to show up on a block and say, how can I help? How about you walk up to a nonprofit door and knock on it and say, hey, I'm I'm whatever your name is, I'm from this side of Chicago. These are my skills. How can I help you? That's the first step, man. And then go to our website, for myblog.org, and sign up to volunteer. We'll get you connected.
1: Great. Z Scott, the president of Chicago State University, asks this. How can higher education better community development? In other words, what's the role of higher education in community development?
2: Uh, convening people in their spaces, man. I, I think you, I mean, that's why I love colleges. You guys got the spaces. A lot of block clubs can't, you know, we, we don't got the projector screens. We don't have the spaces to meet. We don't have the printers. We can't afford the, we can't afford the the color newsletters, right? I think a role higher education can play is that you got students that want to get involved in public service and social impact organizations uh, come volunteer with us. I mean, it's a, a learning experience you can't get anywhere else.
1: Okay. Michael Nolan This is a live question. Uh, Michael asks, wonderful message. What can residents in neighborhoods who are least at risk do to help those in neighborhoods most at risk?
2: We're all at risk. The integrity of Chicago is at risk right now if we aren't supporting nonprofits that work with youth. We're all at risk. So I would ask yourself, you know, those 15 words, what's something simple I can do that'll make a positive impact on my block? You you can grab a, a, a broom and a dustpan and go go shovel up or go, go sweep up a business that's been looted. You can, if there's 16 houses on one side of the street, 19 houses on the other side of the street, you can start a Facebook group. The more connected people are, the healthier they are, the happier they are, the safer they are. Um, you, could, you could volunteer. You could lend your resources to nonprofit organizations that need it. A lot of us don't got the capacity like that. So again, uh, just ask yourself, what's something simple I can do that'll have a positive impact on my block?
1: Lisa Junkin-Lopez, Shed Aquarium. Can you speak to how your grassroots, people-powered approach to social change has found support from city government, corporations, or foundations, which often operate in a more top-down model? Have you experienced any conflicts between these approaches?
2: Well, if you don't have faith, you can't do this work. You know, democracy starts from a block level to us. It doesn't start from the, the city level downward. You know, uh, um, they say, ask not what the government can do for you. Ask not what Lori can do for you. What can you do to help out? You know, that's my philosophy. So, so yeah, I, um, it's been challenges. You know, I got my home foreclosed trying to start a social impact organization in Chicago. You know, uh, um, it's, it's, it's a faith walk. It's a faith walk. If you don't have faith, you can't do the work. But um, again, like this stuff, you, like if Dr. King was alive today, his Facebook, he probably already have like 5,000 members on Facebook and wouldn't be able to add any more people. Like Southern Christian Leadership Conference would probably be a, a, a Facebook business page where they would have different chapters from all around the country. Like You have to learn how to use social media to um, connect the, the will to do good with the good that needs to be done. And I think a lot of leaders um, can can take courses in social media to figure out how to, how to broaden their impact. So I got my master's degree in internet marketing, and I figured it out. A lot of times when you run a social impact organization, don't get lazy on, on your logos. Don't get lazy on your flyers. Don't get lazy on your website. Is your website usable? Is your website adaptable? Have you, and you can't be the one answering these questions. Like you have to ask your friend, hey, check my website out and see if these links are usable. And once you figure that out, because you only get like a, you're competing. Everybody got something to do. And you're talking about come out and volunteer. Everybody got something to do. Make sure your website is usable. Make sure you hire people that are doing what they love. Because if they love video, your video is going to be awesome. If they love graphics, your graphics are going to be awesome. You can't do that. You're, you've got the passion. Like just figure out how to build a team of people that love to do what they do, and that's when you're gonna, um, that's, that's when people are gonna start joining your movement. That's when you're gonna build your tribe.
1: Okay. Hetty Ratner, Women's Business Development Center. What can we do to control the intake of guns in Chicago?
2: You know what? Um, I would say like the way poverty and segregation contribute to gun violence is poorly understood in this city. Uh we we always it's trivialized in this city. We never talk about the root causes of gun violence. Like gun violence isn't a reality. Gun violence is a reflection of racial and economic injustice, poor neighborhoods, under-resourced schools, high incarceration rate, and high unemployment rate, right? It's like if you if you mix all those things together, what does it taste like? Mm, gun violence in Chicago, right? It's a pinch of under-resourced schools, uh, a cup of a divested community, uh, um, uh, whatever, you know, a pound of racial and economic injustice. You mix that together, you get gun violence. This, this, is That's how it happens. So what can you do? Listen, man, we need to start supporting organizations and communities and seeing that those organizations should be expanded into broader strategies. We hear about defunding the police right now. That means to cut the budget of the local police and invest in community programs public health, which includes mental health, and also social needs. So there needs to be alternative intervention strategies. You don't have to show up everywhere with a gun and a badge. But I'm telling you, like, if we start investing into these nonprofits. I think um, you'll, you'll see. I mean, and it's not me just saying this. This is what people that study gun violence for the last decade say. You know, you, you, you study this and the crime rate drops.
1: All right. Christy Prahl, Crown Family Philanthropies. What is the most important way for private funders to stand up for racial justice in the coming months?
2: You have to be authentic about who you are. If you want to support my blog, my hood, my city, it takes $25,000 to fund each of our schools. And we have a 36 school waiting list in Chicago. So again, I just told you, students have never been downtown. They never waved for a taxi. They never been on a plane, right? If you want to support, uh, there's a lot of organizations I could tell you to support, but Right now, I'm talking about my block, my hood, my city. I just said it takes $25,000 to help fund our schools. By 2025, I don't ever want to hear no kid tell me they've never been downtown Chicago. Let's, let's like, help us stop people from saying that. The kid sees Lake Michigan and like, what ocean is that? Come on, that's crazy. But like, let's help us um, show our kids how how, how, transformative, how transformative traveling is. Like exposure is key. We need help with that. That's, that's how you can start.
1: Okay, Bill Higgins what city infrastructure investments do you see as most important to communities in need of support
2: well um i would say we need to invest in before we invest in infrastructure we need to invest in some hope i mean right now kids are hopeless like you know uh there ain't no hope if you don't have hope you ain't gonna get to the infrastructure you know what i mean there's kids that are, um every billboard in my community says cheap divorces and six thousand dollar tax advances um, you know, I have to, I go inside the, you know, I, I know kids that have been to 15 funerals and only in ninth grade. You know, I just talked to a kid. He only not even wear a seatbelt. I said, why don't you wear a seatbelt? He said, cause I have to jump out quick just in case something go on. These kids is hopeless. Are uh, we talking about infrastructure? We have to, we have to put positive role models in these kids lives. And we need to invest in these Diane Latikers. We need to invest in these Asia Butlers. We need to invest in these Aisha, these Will Calloways. We need to invest in and these organizers all throughout Chicago. And then from there, I mean, I think you need to do that before the, you get to the infrastructure.
1: Got it. Sabrina Grieg, Lloyd A. Fry Foundation. What is the most effective way for funders of color in philanthropy to help amplify the voices of the marginalized and the unheard?
2: I would give a, the youth the, the mic. Give the youth the mic and let them speak. You got to hear from a youth that says that you know, when you drop them off at night, they run to the front door because there's too many shootings, right? You want to hear from the youth, let them start a podcast, teach them how you guys do it, um, expose them to what jobs are in the philanthropy space. Y'all you know, don't just give out money, there's marketing jobs in there, there's social impact jobs in there, like there's accounting jobs in there. How about you bring some youth to your space so you can so, show them how to start a foundation one day? Again, I keep on saying exposure is key. And I think that is, uh, um, if you can't be it, you can't see it, right? But it's, it's really simple. Um, It's not easy, but if you show kids better, they're going to do better. But right now, they don't know better, so it's hard for them to do better.
1: Vincent Cole from the Woodlawn Chamber of Commerce asks, Jamal, what suggestions do you have for improving the relationship between the Chicago Police Department and the city's minority residents?
2: Yeah, well, I think that um, one of the things we're doing in My Block, My hood, My City is youth-led tours with the CPD. So to be a, a police officer in Chicago, you need a 1,000 hours of training. Um, five of those hours are going to be led by youth from North Lawndale. So the Chicago History Department has a long way to go to learn about the history of the neighborhood. But hopefully by taking you know tours led by the biggest stakeholders in the community, which are the youth, they'll be able to see the community the way the residents do. So you have police department, states, attorneys, and a youth all taking an asset-based tour of North Lawndale, right? And they could actually uh, get to know each other and there could be some collective problem solving. So we're trying to bring together youth and police and also um, treat people the way you want to be treated. This is, this, that's what I would start. I would start at treat people the way you want to be treated. Like having a police badge, again, gives you a platform to amplify who you are. If you're a good person, having that badge gives you a platform to do good. If you're a bad person, having that badge gives you a platform that's going to amplify wickedness. So we want to get these police officers to, to, to know the history of the neighborhoods before they start policing them, and uh, we want them to build bridges of connections and communities before they start just arresting people.
1: We have a couple of questions um, related to education from educators. Uh, one is from Christian Knapp Andrews. How can I, as a high school teacher, make a difference?
2: Well, you're already a superhero. You're, you're a superhero right now, and I think I want to thank you for your commitment to, to being a teacher. Um, I would say that uh, just just showing up, um, understanding that um, if my teeth hurt, I'm not going to be able to do that well on that test. If I if I'm sleeping on a blue line, you know, I need you to understand where I'm coming from. You know what I'm saying? A lot of I hear a lot of students say that, hey, you know, uh, um, you know, our our teachers don't care. So just, um, have you ever tried to see where your student actually lives when you pull up to the block? What does what does the house look like? Understand their perspectives, and I think that's building that building that connection, building that bond is going to last longer than ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade. They're going to want to come back and be you because you're being a positive role model. But I would just say, I hear a lot of students that say that uh, they, they feel a disconnect between themselves and their teachers. But um, yeah, that's, that's where I would start.
1: Okay, and the other question uh, related to education comes from Dr. Janice Jackson, our leader of Chicago Public Schools. What else? Yeah, shout out. <laughs> What else should schools be doing to stem the amount of violence that plagues our
2: communities? Yeah, I, I would say it's, it's hard to tell students what not to do if they don't have things to do. Um, right now, we have 36 public schools that are on our waiting list for our Explorers program. I'll figure out a way to get those kids exposed to things, get them inspired, and, um, and to, so they can see different opportunities. If you, um, you know, right now, the dope dealers is the, is the mentors right? We need to take students outside their neighborhood and expose them to a Microsoft engineer. We need to expose them to, I mean, everybody want to be a rapper or a basketball player. That's great. You take that same kid to Gatorade and they, you know, they see consumer engagement. They're like, Jamal, I want to be a consumer engagement specialist. They say, why? They say, well, I never knew that job existed. So I would say, I would love to work with CPS on, on, um, on, on expose. We have 36 schools on our waiting list and all those kids deserve um, exposure opportunities. I would start there.
1: Okay, um, just so everyone knows, we, we received, Jamal, we received more than 100 questions uh, for you, and we're going to get through as many as we can. Um, and for those of you that we weren't able to share your question, um, we apologize for that, but the, the response was just overwhelming. All right, uh, Maria Cesar, uh, how can we make sure that those who can vote are registered to vote are informed about the candidates and the policies on the ballot and are able to get to the polls on election day and vote?
2: You know, again, I think we need to be volunteering as well as voting. I mean, if you don't eat an apple a day, you're probably not going to walk around the block a day. If you don't walk around the block, you won't notice the boarded up businesses in your community. If you don't notice what's going on in your community, you're not going to talk to your local elected official. If you don't talk to your local elected official, you ain't going to vote. So, I would um, I'm almost I'm almost asking people but like we need to volunteer and as well as voting, but how to get people to vote. I mean, there's so much voter suppression going on in Chicago. You know, sometimes people have to go vote at the police station. I mean, who nobody want to do that. And also a lot of us aren't ballot ready. You know, you're just choosing judges like any, many, many, mo or how they last name. look. We need to get ballot ready. But it's also just getting kids uh, um inspired to vote. Like, you know, uh, like how can I how can I encourage kids to 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 want to to be American, right? I, I never, you know, I never was called American until I went to England. No one ever called me American until I went to Great Britain. And a white man was like, "Oh, you're American." He looked past the color of my skin and said that I was American. I was like, "Wow!" And then that awakened a sense of uh, uh, that awakened a sense of pride in me of being even being American. And I started studying the Second Continental Congress and what and their struggles in the late 1700s. That kind of reminds me of our struggle today, like they. They went to war with uh, with Great Britain because they wanted independence, and they were willing to revolt to get it. Uh, we want um, we want um, we we're, we're fighting against uh, um, a, a lack of hopelessness and a senseless shooting in Chicago right now. But what are we willing to do to get it? And remember, these were just like the Second Continental Congress were just farmers and like regular people that was like, hey, come on, take up arms. We're gonna go. We're gonna fight for independence. And the majority of people didn't even want to be bothered. It's like, nah, man, I'm cool. I'm chilling. I don't even want to be. I, that's the same thing going on today. When you're trying to get people involved and vote, hey, come to Whitney Young Library let's talk about the red line closing. Let's talk about, "Oh man, I got something to do." "Oh man, I It's the same thing that's going on at 1700. So, I would just say like um if you really want to be a uh, if you want to really want to make a difference, if you really want to change things, then you got to start voting and you got to get kids inspired to um you got to get kids inspired to, to, to show them how their vote's going to actually change things.
1: So, on that subject, um It's one thing to encourage those, inform, educate, help them get to the polls, uh, get over complacency or my vote doesn't count. It's another when we're looking at things like organized voter suppression in this country. What do you what do you have to say on that?
2: I mean, not much. I mean, it's messed up, you know, and if I had all the answers, I would give them to you. Look, I'm just like I'm I'm a volunteer on a block. I think that's real hard work starts on a block. If you want to come work on a block or, you know, change don't happen to me on the fifth floor of City Hall. It don't happen in Springfield. It don't happen in, in, uh, in D.C. Change starts on a block. If you want to get involved in, 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 in making a difference right now, I can help you with that. If you want to talk about voter suppression, reach out to me. I could put you in touch with some people that, could, uh, that, could, that are way more educated on that topic than I am.
1: OK, thanks for that. Tonya Hall, what is the best strategy or best strategies to support those returning to our communities after incarceration, those being returning
2: citizens. Yeah, I mean, love those people, provide them with jobs. I mean, there's not really, there's going to be recidivism if ain't no jobs. You know, people are coming home and they ain't got no money no place to stay. We got to start reaching them before they get home, too. Like, I started my program by volunteering at Cook County Juvenile Detention Facility. I started there, so we could be proactive by going in and talking to them and making sure we're building a bridge by the time they get out. You can't just wait till somebody come home and expect them to like to hit the ground running and they got nineteen dollars in their pocket, right? We got to be talking to them and building those connections while they're inside, of, um and actually getting them to not even go to jail, man. I don't, Lord of mercy, like you know, I know kids that have been in jail fifty plus times. It's ridiculous, man. Uh, who wants to? Who wants to be in jail? So just talking to the kids while they're in middle school, reaching them early. To, to show them a world that exists outside of their block. That's helpful.
1: Joyce McDougall, Women of Color Empowerment. How can I determine where the need is greatest for my nonprofit? I think she, she may be asking, you know, how does she assess uh, where the needs are and how to apply
2: resources? Just lead with love and follow your passion, you know, uh, follow your passion and, um, you know, go to, Look at the most divested communities in Chicago and start there and just show up at, you know, you probably don't even have to reinvent the wheel. Somebody's probably already doing the work. You could reach out to a nonprofit and say, how can you help? Talk to their leaders there. And that might inspire you to say, you know, I know a little wrinkle I can help. Here's a niche that I can do. But I, w- I would say just... Do um, the scanner, uh, reach out to us, go to four my blog.org, and We're connected with a lot of nonprofits in North Lawndale, Roseland, South Shore, Inglewood, Chatham, you know, wherever, you know, a humble park, little village. And we'll connect you. But there's there's just so much um, there's so much there's so many people that need support right now. Yeah, I'll start there. Uh,
1: this comes from Ramon Ocasio. What is the role of the judiciary slash judges to reform the criminal justice system?
2: That's a toughie. Yeah. uh, Next question. (laughs) question.
1: (laughs) Um, Let's see. Let's take a look here. Uh, Robert Mainwith, the aftermath of the George Floyd killing, bringing a longer lasting campaign for social justice. This is very important work. How do we sustain the work?
2: Yeah, you got to make sure... um, Make sure companies that are supporting you um, care about justice being denied just as much as they care about their business being interrupted. Um, but I, 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 I struggle with that word sustainability because uh, um, this work to me uh, ain't sustainable. You know, it's not. And um, you can you can run uphill all day trying to make it sustainable and trying to get these big grants. But it's not sustainable. A flower isn't sustainable. But hey. Look at a flower. It still, it still gives you hope, don't it? So I would just say do what you can, do the best you can for as long as you can, and, and the city will be better because of it.
1: Jamal, uh, what's your feeling about the recent calls for defunding the police?
2: I love it. I mean, our work is what defunding the police looks like in practice. Uh, again, defunding the police is to um, cut the budget of a local police and, and invest in community programs. I mean, the police budget is, like, billion for 13,000 officers, Um, 1.7, I just told you it costs $25,000 to fund one of our schools for a year. And there's a budget of $1.7 billion that needs to be slashed and invested into programs um, like my block, my hood, my city. We need to uh, invest in public health, which is mental health and invest in in social needs. I mean, it it makes a lot of sense to me. All right. Vince
1: Mino, Midtown Educational Foundation. Are you a man of faith? If so, how does this influence your work
2: yeah, I'm definitely a man of faith. you know, I get on my knees and I pray every night every morning, you got to be man, like you got to not only have faith but you have to stand guard at the door of your thoughts. I mean, you turn on the news in Chicago you say, you "Hear about this shooting, you hear about that shooting, you know you have to stand guard at the door of your thoughts, so yes, I have faith and I, and I couldn't have done this work without faith and, uh, and I'm just blessed to have met the people I've met, the pastors the the business leaders, the philanthropists and and the and most important, my resident, my neighbor. So, yeah, I, I definitely got faith.
1: All right. Um, Dean Alanis De Otis, can you talk about your My Community Table Org initiative that was launched during Hit the Hood effort? I'd like to know more, he says.
2: Yeah. So, um friend, Dean, reached out and um, they started an app that's kind of like an Uber Eats. But, you know, the money is going to go towards various social impact organizations. Don't matter what side of the city you live on, you go to mycommunitytable.org and, um, and you, you order some food. Then a portion of the proceeds go to Diane Latiker in Roseland. A portion of the proceeds go to Jamal Cole in, in Chatham. A portion of the proceeds is going to go to Will Calloway. It's just, a, um, remember I asked you, say, what's something simple I can do that'll have a positive impact? Well, Dean and his team um, they they were like, this is something simple we can do. We're going to create a, something simple. They're going to create an app, but the money is going to go towards uh, social impact. Doors. But that's, that's you can find out more about it on our website at formyblog.org. All
1: right. Tim Russell, Jamal, thank you for your work and being an inspiration. My question is, what keeps you up at night?
2: I want to be a part of great decisions being made for the city of Chicago. Um, and uh, sometimes I'm scared uh, sometimes, um, um, I don't have all the answers. Um, so that makes me read. I don't want to look dumb when I come on a city club and have to answer a hundred some questions. Um, but I, I feel like, uh, um, as a leader, you don't have to know all the answers. Um, you just ask questions and try to understand, and, uh, you just move forward when you're uncertain. But those, are, um, the helicopters keep me up at night, right. And wake me up in the morning. Uh, the gunshots keep me up at night. Um, looking at, at, Google News and seeing babies getting killed in Chicago keeps me up at night. I'm woke. I'm not even close to being tired. God's got a battery in my back, and that's what keeps me up. Mm.
1: Ali Bovis has a, a comment, not a question. I want to thank Jamal for everything he has done and continues to do to help underserved communities across Chicago. His inspiring words and actions will be what helps create true and lasting change. It's time all of us help him, that's you, and do our part, she says.
2: Thank you, I love that.
1: All right, Aileen Bandari, South Asian Bar Association of Chicago. With all the violence and shootings taking place, how do we change the narrative for young people that see crime as the norm instead of the exception? And I think this speaks to your mission and your work.
2: Yeah, you know, it's not regular or normal to wake up and there's 70 shootings over the course of a weekend. It's not normal to for helicopters to be landing on kids' houses at night. It's not normal for um, uh, German shepherds to sniff kids on 79th Street in the morning when they get in, on a train to go to school. It's not normal for uh, you to get strip searched when you walk into high school. Um, those things aren't normal, right? And so I think that uh, um, uh, what we have to do is we have to show them better. We have to expose them to a different environment. You know, we kids love traveling. We take kids to, to Traverse City, Michigan. That's one of their favorite trips of the year. When they get back, you say, I ain't even heard a siren like in a, a couple weeks, a week. That's one of the main things they say. Uh, oh, the McDonald's tastes different out here. Uh, you know, it's a uh, it, this is really simple stuff I'm talking about, but it's exposure. You got to like uh, um, you got to show kids better for them to do better. Otherwise, man, they're not going to do better. So that's where I would start. That's what we're really good at is uh, with our Explorers program.
1: All right. Um, Nisha Brushiers. Thank you for sharing your story, Jamal. We live in the Chatham neighborhood and my 12 year old daughter is scared to walk down 79th street. I want her to explore positive parts of her community. What can you recommend in terms of volunteerism for younger kids to foster support for their own hood?
2: Well, what's up? Um, I'm a Chatham resident as well. And, um, you know, Chatham isn't even a community. Chatham is a state of mind, and that state of mind represents you know African American homeownership, uh, entrepreneurship, and block clubs for sure. So, if they are if they're, um, youth that want to learn how to start start block clubs, want to learn how to get active, um, and I would love to show you the fundamentals of community organizing. As far as walking down the streets in Chatham, um, call me up. I'll walk with you. And I'm telling you, like, uh, we have to. We can't be. We can't stay inside. It can't be a ghost town. We have to move around. And um, I'm. and uh, and I'm here for you.
1: Bruce Montgomery, Technology Access Television. Jamal, how do you manage collaboration with other organizations to avoid duplication of efforts, enhance one another's work, leverage innovation, uh, and increase the impact?
2: Just being humble, just being humble and, uh, and, and you don't know everything. You know, everybody has a role to play when it comes to fighting for justice in a city. Uh, there's, uh, We're not fighting against uh, each other. There's, we're not fighting for crumbs, right? Uh, so it's just about being humble and, and you know, building relationships with people before you need them. Like, you know, you want to make sure you're being proactive. Don't just come at me when you need something from me. So I feel like um, just just going to nonprofit galas, showing up and volunteering in people's communities and saying, how can I help? That's how you build those authentic partnerships. And, um, and then you don't have to duplicate the wheel because... You know, we take students on educational field trips. Some people might be um, working on college persistence and making sure kids, you know, get beyond sophomore year in college. I'm not about to add that to, to, our, our, to our charter because if someone else is doing that. It's just about just being humble and realizing it takes a village. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this comes from Carol Harris with SBA. How do we overcome what's not normal, e.g. lock up of ethnic hair care products? drug stores closed in my community, no grocery stores, etc. cetera.
2: You know, I just wrote a book about this called It's Not Regular, and you can find that at it'snotregular.org. Even our website, org, you can see. I think just having conversations about it, because a lot of kids don't know that it's not regular because they grew up with it. Um, a, a lot of kids uh, um, don't notice they're ordering food through bulletproof glass windows, right? And so a lot of kids, uh, um, if you grow up around it your whole life, it's regular, right? It's not regular, man. And so I think just pointing it out, and, uh, and, um, and just sitting in it for a minute and just saying, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to ponder this and figure out how I can make a difference. I think the first thing we have to do before the solution is just recognize that it's actually there. All
1: right, Bruce Gurley from Wells Fargo Securities. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Uh, mm-hmm. What is the best way for white people to work with you and others to eliminate racial discrimination?
2: Listen, listen, listen um, you know, uh, uh, get involved, um, show up, you know, uh, it's okay to be vulnerable. Like the, your vulnerability is the bridge. You understand? Like being vulnerable is the bridge. So, uh, listen, uh, figure out how you can show up and, um, and, and ask yourself what's something simple I can do. I love that message. What's something simple you can do because that connects everybody, right? Chicago, we always acting like we so different in Chicago. It's like, man, like you go to, to Pilsen, they eat in tortilla, beef and rice, right? You go to a Greek town, they eat in, uh, they eating over there. They eating the pita, beef and rice. You know what I mean? You go to Divine Avenue. They eat non-beef and rice. Everybody eating the same thing, but talking about we so different. Uh, it could be that our greatest asset in the city is our diversity. So we need to um um e pluribus unum. That's the that's the model for America, right? I think we need to um. That's a, a elusive model, but I think that our our differences make us innovative, right? So out of many, there's one. Our differences are going to make us innovative, and just step outside your comfort zone. and uh, and explore.
1: All right, we have time for a few more questions. Gabriela Suarez from the MacArthur Foundation, actually, she says, no question, just gratitude. Thank you for the great work that you and your staff are doing for the city of Chicago, and especially our seniors and our youth. Thank you. Uh, Barbara Elze, Reach Leadership Program for Girls, how did you get started, Jamal?
2: I started selling books, um, self-published books in front of Foot Locker, downtown Chicago on, um, on Adams and State. And, um, and someone from Cook County Jail read the book and was like, come talk to the 18 year olds. And then I got to the Cook County and they were like, oh, no, we didn't say 18 year olds. We said AT. That's an acronym for automatic transfer. Are they going downstate for 20 plus years. Will you still talk to them? And um, yeah, that's how I got to Cook County Jail and nobody wanted to hear me speak. So I just started swimming and I was like, hey, so, uh, you know, um, where are you from? And kid, my block is 21st street. Okay. Well, where are you from? My hood is a low end. You know, why y'all say my block and my hood, like y'all own something? Why don't y'all ever say my city? Oh, you know, ain't no black people downtown. Ain't no black people in Wicked Park. That's how I got started. Well, well, Mark, well, why, why, why are, you, are you here right now? Why hasn't your life worked out of this right now? Oh, the city's messed up. The weather's messed up. The police is messed up. The economy's messed up. The Philosophy was messed up. So I started challenging kids to ask what's something simple they can do to change everything. And that's how I got started.
1: So that's how you got started. Now we have a question from City Club of Chicago board member, Jackie robinson Ivy. Thank you for speaking at the City Club of Chicago and to our audience today. Can you please tell us about your plans for My Block, My Hood, My City over the next three to five years?
2: For sure. Um, Jackie, love you. Um, Prayers to you and your family right now. I can't wait to give you a big hug. Um, yeah, so right now there's a 36 school waiting list. Uh, 36 schools in Chicago want our Explorers program. We work with 15 kids in 10 different schools already, and we take them on educational trips and we expose them to different cultures, different professions, different cuisines. Uh, we wanna we wanna get to at least 20 schools in the next five years. That's our goal. Get to 20 schools. We also wanna we, we wanna um, measure success differently. Like currently, programs are measuring success by GPA or by uh, high school graduation or college enrollment or college persistence, we do that as well. But we also want to study trust, reciprocity, generosity, and, um, and, uh, and, and belonging and, and give kids grades based upon those um, based upon those measurements. As far as working with block clubs, we work with about 100 block clubs now. We want to continue to advocate or amplify the voice of block clubs that need help with you know, advocating for speed bumps, advocating for stop signs. How do we teach people to, um, to advocate for themselves on their own block? Like democracy starts right there. So the future of my block, my hood, my city, we have education and we have community. And um, again, our, our motto was taking care of people no matter what. So you're gonna see us out there regardless of what happens in the city.
1: All right, thank you, Jamal. Um, just again, everyone who's tuned in today and participating, thank you so much for your questions. Thank you for your interest in Jamal Cole, My Block, My Hood, My City. Thank you for your interest in the City Club of Chicago. Uh, If you want to learn more about Jamal and his colleagues and their wonderful work to lift people up, please go to ForMyBlock.org. ForMyBlock.org. You can learn about the programs. You can learn about progress made. And you can also find ways that you can participate and do things on your own block and help those throughout the city. I'd like to wrap up now, and Jamal, we have a couple of of things for you here. Uh, One, (laughs) yes, you you leave with gifts. Uh, Oops, that's my clipboard. I don't want that. Okay. Um, We have a complimentary uh, one-year membership to the City Club of Chicago for you. Thank you. Uh, we also have a, um, a mug.
2: I'm official. I'm official with the mug. You're, you're official, official with the mug, man.
1: Yeah. This is your mug. Okay. And um, uh, thank you again. And I know that people are applauding loudly, wherever they may be. And we want to invite you to come back to the City Club and give us a progress report at your convenience. In the meantime, thank you again very much. And to those of you tuned in, um, please note that uh, we will be welcoming Dr. Allison Arwady on June, I'm sorry, July 22nd. And that announcement will be going out if it hasn't already. Um, and please, please consider us uh, in terms of donations to City Club of Chicago. We are a not-for-profit 501c3. The programming that we are doing with our new uh, a virtual platform, which was custom made for us. Uh, our programming is free at this time, and we welcome any and all contributions to the cause. Thank you very much. Have a great day. We are adjourned.